Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the Brooklyn Bunker. Folks, what a fucking week this has been. I mean, dear God, um, I sit here today absolutely exhausted, and I just came back from vacation, and my vacation feels like it happened at least two months ago, and it was literally a week ago. Folks, I I can't express to you how this news cycle has completely and utterly gutted my belief that there is ever going to be any type of accountability, any type of, you know, real conversations in journalism about the fall of our democracy. So let me start out by saying, Um, I wrote a piece, uh, another piece. I I was very hot with the words this week on Medium. And uh, if you don't follow me on Medium, uh, you totally should because I post often. I post at least twice a month, uh, two different op-eds. But this week I went in because there was just so much news. And so my latest piece, which I want to share um, a piece of it with you all because I'm outdone. I'm outdone by what the media decides to pay attention to and the reasons that they decide to pay attention to certain things versus others. Um, when I woke up, uh, this morning, right. You would think that every major headline, every major headline, every major story would be directed at the fact that a sitting president of the United States during the insurrection, during an attack, an actual physical attack orchestrated um, by his followers, by himself, Donald Trump himself, if you all do not remember, back in uh, December of, uh, of, of 2020, said that January 6th was going to be wild. Right. Donald Trump was out there on Twitter before his dumbass got banned, telling his followers to head to Washington, D.C., have their voices heard and that the Stop the Steal rally was going to be wild. Donald Trump on that day got up on the dais along with many other of his followers touting the lie, the big lie about the election having been stolen. Right. then. Fast forward to over a year fucking later, the only people that have faced any type of charges, that have faced any type of quote unquote jail time, if you can count a couple of months for trying to overthrow the government of the United States, if you can count that, right, 
as real time. The only people that have been held accountable are the people that have actually entered into, right? The Capitol building or encourage their followers like the leader of the, of the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys to get violent, right? So we're seeing these people slapped with a couple of months here, a couple of months there, right? Knowing good goddamn well that these fucking people that marched to the Capitol building, built a guillotine, entered said Capitol building, stole property, abused and injured police officers, get slaps on the wrist. During that time, though, as as we come to find out, There's over seven hours missing in terms of White House phone logs. Now, let me bring this into focus. When Nixon was brought down, and by by the way, we can account for the fact that accountability really doesn't ever happen in politics because Richard Nixon was able to resign. Richard Nixon was not removed from office right? He was able to resign. Had we actually made an example of Richard Nixon and the 18 minutes that were missing from the White House tapes that would then show the cover-up, right, of him trying to steal an election? 18 minutes. We have so far as an entire fucking workday was missing from the White House phone logs but that's not front page news. No. What is continuing to be part of conversation all week long is the slap that we saw on fucking Sunday by Will Smith against Chris Rock for his comments, his joke, I use in air quotes, with regard to his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith's alopecia, autoimmune condition, right? You have Madison Cawthorn, whose dumbass finds himself in the press for a whole host of stupid shit that comes out of his mouth, but he decides to spill some tea with regard to being invited to a Washington political elite orgy, right? Um, where people are just freely doing bumps of cocaine or so he says, and then Hunter Biden's laptop. These are the three stories that have been dominating the news cycle this week. And I'm sitting here saying to myself, self, how is it that Donald Trump covered up, erased, lost seven hours worth of phone interaction during the historic violent event in America's modern day history, and that is not enough for headlines? So the Justice Department now has finally announced that they are expanding their investigation into those that were not actually in the Capitol building, but they're expanding their investigation into the donors of said uh, insurrection, right? And I know that before on this show, and so let me make it clear now, before on this show, I have said that Ginny Thomas, Clarence Thomas's wife, um, funded buses for the insurrection. That has not been substantiated. But what has been substantiated about Ginny Thomas is that she was at the insurrection. She used her platform and her political clout to encourage other people to go to the insurrection. And then while there was an invasion in our Capitol building, she was on the phone with Mark Meadows, Donald Trump's former chief of staff. So here's the thing. What's so curious and interesting about this, which you think would be front page news, is that Ginny Thomas is married to Clarence Thomas, a sitting Supreme Court justice who was the sole dissenter on the case that would allow the House Select Committee, who is investigating the insurrection, to be able to have access to the phone logs. 
Now, the question we all need to ask ourselves is, why was Clarence Thomas the sole dissenter, right? What is it that Clarence Thomas knew? And was he concerned that when those phone numbers, when that information would be released, that he would have to then explain to the public why his wife's phone number was showing up? But get this, because it gets even better than that. And you would think in a country that it loves salaciousness, right? We love reality TV. We love gossip. We love trash. That you would think that this story, which pretty much reads like a fucking episode of Bridgerton uh, combined with an episode of Gossip Girl wrapped in your favorite soap opera, right? All my children, as the world turns, you would think that this would make news. Well, here's the other thing. John Eastman, Trump attorney, I just discovered like Columbus, was an actual clerk for Justice Thomas. So there's a relationship there. So you're telling me, let's all connect these beautiful dots. Sitting Supreme Court justice has a wife that attended the insurrection, was in regular contact with Mark Meadows, Donald Trump's chief of staff on the day of the insurrection, also has a connection to the man that wrote the PowerPoint slide presentation about the insurrection, John Eastman, and no one except for a handful of Democrats are currently calling for an investigation into Clarence Thomas to see whether or not what we see with our own two eyes is actually what it is, which is a compromised Supreme Court justice? How? How, Sway? How? How is no one talking about this? How is this not the story of all stories? You know, you go back to the days, right, of fucking Deep Throat. You go back to the days of the I gotcha stories. And I'm thinking, isn't this like a slam dunk to at the bare minimum open up an investigation into Clarence Thomas and start to ask questions about what he knew and when he knew it? Isn't this, wouldn't this be the opportunity and the time for Democrats to take off the kid gloves and actually get serious about the courts and realize that not only did we have a Supreme Court seat stolen by Mitch McConnell, did we have over 300 federal judges put in place by Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump, but that the ones that they actually have are deeply in their pockets? Folks, come on. Right. So let me let me read you the opening to my piece, which I entitled a slap, an orgy and a laptop that is up at medium right now. Quote, there is an old saying in media, if it bleeds, it leads, meaning that stories that are the most salacious and horrific drive the most traffic are the ones media outlets will push. In the advent of social media and our capitalistic clickbait society we live in now, ratings and eyeballs equal money, and where there is money to be made and power to covet, morality dare not enter. Currently, there are three stories that the media can't get enough of, and not one of them has to do with America's impending nosedive into the arms of anti-democratic forces that are hell-bent on ripping up our Constitution, destroying what's left of our political norms, and tap-dancing their way into authoritarianism. America is captivated by the slap scene around the world, Representative Madison Cawthorn's claim of cocaine and orgies running amok in Washington's elite political circles, and Hunter Biden's laptop. Meanwhile... The real political orgy that everyone needs to be paying attention to is happening between Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, his wife, Ginny, former President Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, and former clerk to Justice Thomas and architect of the insurrection, John Eastman. And yet, folks, why isn't the news cycle focused on this? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you why I think that the news cycle is not 
focused on this because recent hirings and also the admission of the co-president from CBS should tell us the real truth. We don't have to guess because what was said by CBS's news co-president Niraj Kelamani is this quote, if you look at some of the people that we've been hiring on a contributor basis, being able to make sure that we are getting access to both sides of the aisle is a priority because we know the Republicans are going to take over, most likely in the midterms. So you see here, folks, what does this spell out to you? It spells out that journalism right? In this day and age, isn't about integrity. It isn't about breaking the news to the American public. It isn't about educating this citizenry about their responsibility in this democracy. No, no, no. It is about making sure that you are doing the bidding of the people whose company you would like to keep. So would it make sense for, say, CBS and other news outlets to decide to run segments and stories on really diving into and continuing to run it over and over again, the way that they did Hillary Clinton's fucking email story or Hunter Biden's laptop story, right? Think about the ways in which Hillary Clinton's candidacy in 2016 was tanked. It wasn't tanked just because Hillary didn't go to Michigan. It wasn't tanked just because the American people don't like her or 52% of white women decided that they would rather have their pussies grabbed by Donald Trump than have a woman that looks like them sit in the Oval Office. No, it wasn't just that. It was the consistent feeding to America that you should be suspicious of Hillary Clinton because she used a private server. And if she's going to use a private server and private emails, then what else could she possibly been hiding? Could she be hiding horns underneath her blonde, you know, uh, uh, bouquet of hair, right? Could she be hiding some evil armor underneath her pantsuits? All they needed to do with the constant barrage in print, on TV, on radio, and everywhere else was plant the seeds of something suspicious happening and let the American people's imagination run wild. And then when it would abate, continue to feed them a little bit more and a little bit more. So the question that I have is then when you have a story like that of a sitting Supreme court justice, his wife, chief of staff to former twice impeached disgraced president of the United States, and then a former Justice Thomas clerk entangled in the biggest political orgy of all time, a desire and an attempt to overthrow an election. How the fuck do you cover anything else? Well, It's as if you don't see that telling the truth and potentially smearing said Republican party that you believe is going to return to power in a few months would be good for your bottom line. So fuck integrity, right? Fuck education. We'll bury that. We'll cover it so that folks can say, oh, no, no, we did a story. It just won't be a one above the fold. And it is not enough to say, well, there's just so much news that is happening because folks, there's been so much news happening since 2015, since Donald Trump descended on those fucking escalators. There's been news happening over and over and over again, but it is those that are sitting in the newsroom C-suites that are deciding what it is that they believe that the public should know. So wouldn't it be better if we stir up some drama, some made up drama for the Bidens, the current sitting administration that we believe has already neutered itself? And then we show favor and fancy to the ones that we believe are actually going to get into power. And then 
right? They'll see us as friends and they won't attack us so much. And then we'll be able to get our one-on-ones and our sit-down meetings. It's all a game. And the more that I become aware of, the more dots that are connected, the more disgusted I am. Because folks, in all honesty, there is nowhere to look. There's nowhere to look. There is no night coming to save America. There is no Captain America that's going to rush in and make everything right. Because everybody that has a responsibility to do something or the power to do something, even if it's just to plant some seeds and shift, shift some hearts and minds, they are actively choosing not to because it doesn't work or mesh with their bottom line. Our democracy, dear friends, has been sold. And so When we turn around and we say to ourselves, well, it's all Republicans and, and, and their misgivings and their bad doings. Of course, that is, those things are absolutely true, but they also have help. They've been enabled by mainstream media, right? And the thing is, because I have conversations with my friends in media all the time, and I have been telling them it is not enough for us any longer to just be talking with inside, inside of our own echo chambers. It's not enough. We have got to find a way to penetrate and get our words and thoughts out to the masses because, dear friends, because mainstream media ain't gonna fucking cover it. So you have to rely on information that is coming to you by people who are not bought and sold. You know, Shirley Chisholm, the first African-American woman, the first black woman to run for the presidency in 1972, her moniker that she used was unbossed and unbothered right? Unbought, unbossed, and unbothered, I think was the whole of it. And I think about how bold that was in 1972 to say that, but that it is even bolder to say that today because there's a reason why Republicans and Democrats both have allowed so much money to be in politics because it suits their personal bottom line. There's a reason why There's always been a campaign against the Elizabeth Warrens and the Bernie Sanders of the world who want to call out corporate misgivings and wrongdoings, right? But there's a reason why they're allowed to do that shit. And it isn't just one party's fault. When everything revolves around capitalism and everything revolves around those with the most get to decide and delineate to the least, you're going to make sure above all else that you stay at the top. So you are going to get in bed with people that you should have no business being in bed with. So when people say to me, you know, I don't trust the news. I don't trust this paper. I don't trust this outlet. I don't trust this network. Now I'm beginning to understand why not even beginning to understand because I fucking knew it was why I was fired from Sirius because you tell people the absolute truth and they don't want that. It's why folks, you don't see me regularly anymore on cable news because you continue to tell the truth and call people out. And guess what? They don't want that. They don't want that at all because it's too much. The reason why I became an entrepreneur and the reason why I am on uh, independent channels as an independent podcaster is because I don't want anybody telling me what I can and cannot do. And I don't want anybody deciding what is going to drive my voice. And it certainly is not going to be anybody else's fucking bottom line. I tell you that, you know, 
one of the quotes that I pulled up in this piece sits so heavy with me now as somebody who has done public relations and spin and crisis communications for part of my living, right? George Orwell said this, journalism is printing what someone else does not want published. Everything else is public relations. That couldn't be more true. I mean, when you look at the fluff pieces, right, that were written about Amy COVID Barrett, right? You look at the coverage of her confirmation, Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation, right? And look at that of Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. See who it benefits, right? And why? When you see people on television saying a lot of hot shit or saying nothing at all, oh, they don't want to upset the apple cart. Do you know why they don't want to upset the apple cart? Because they don't know who's going to own that apple cart at the end of the week. So it's best to have this, this perceived notion that is false of somebody's neutrality. News is not neutral. None of these fucking outlets are. Every single one of these people that are sitting up in the C-suites that get to decide what it is you ingest on a regular basis have political affiliations, but their ultimate affiliation is to money and money ain't got no morals. And so every time that Democrats are trying to appeal to people's better angels, I'm like, are you dumb? Right? Like, seriously, are you dumb? Do you not get it? That everybody is in it to win it, right? To get as rich as possible. That's it. That's the American dream, right? It isn't just the house and the picket fence. No, no, no. If you look on Netflix right now, if you look on Amazon Prime and see all of the stories, right, that are on top right now are about how people became multi-billionaires. Or it is about the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Because we are addicted, addicted to wealth. And it is fed to us in all of these different ways. And so if you are given the opportunity, we all would love to believe that we would say, no, no, I have morals, right? I actually am one of those people. Which is why I broadcast to you from my apartment and not my mansion. Because I entered into a profession that if you wanted to get rich, right, you could. But you need to also be able to swallow a lot of hot shit. You need to be able to divorce yourself from your values, right? You need to make compromises. And I'm not saying that all compromises are bad. They absolutely are not. And I'm also not saying that everybody that is on television is bad. They absolutely are not. But every single one of them has had to compromise. And I'll tell you that the people of color and the women have had to compromise the most. And so when I see and I listen to people like the co-president at CBS and then, you know, uncovered tapes of, uh, of leave Nunez, the former disgraced, uh, president of CBS, right. Who had to step down because of, you know, somebody's affair or whatever it was, some type of sexual indiscretion. Lee Moons, he said the same thing. Said, yeah, Trump may be mad, may be bad for the country, but he's good for ratings. I can tell you how many times that I heard that in the halls of MSNBC, right? Everybody knows, everybody knew that Trump was terrible for the country, but oh my God, he's fucking making it rain. I remember sitting in the chair at MSNBC and I was supposed to be on a segment. 
Then all of a sudden they're like, oh, Danielle, we're canceled for the day because Donald Trump uh, is going to be landing in some place giving some type of hate speech. And do you know what every single cable news station did? They had a live feed going of a tarmac. Just waiting for Trump's plane to land. And that was the whole conversation, four hours. What will Trump say? This is what he said last time. Oh my goodness. When do you think the plane is going to come in? What is he going to be wearing? What's Ivanka going to be doing? It was free press. It was free advertisement. At a time when political ads, by the way, that you see on television cost millions The last couple of presidential races have been in the billions in terms of how much it actually costs to run for president. We have seen some of the most expensive Senate races, tens, hundreds of millions of dollars that they have cost. But every single news outlet in 2015 and 2016 gave Trump free coverage Because people couldn't take their eyes off of the fucking circus. So when I say you have a story like this political orgy that is literally unfolding in front of us, that has some key players from the Supreme Court to the White House, right? All the way around. And I'm asking, why the fuck is the lead story about Hunter Biden's laptop. Hunter Biden ain't in the fucking White House. Not in the way that the fucking Trump spawn were. With senior titles and all access passes. Like it's fucking political Lollapalooza. But oh, mm, I wonder what's on that laptop. Mmm, Donald Trump's still going around saying, mmm. You know, Zelensky should really open up an investigation. Who cares that his entire country is being bombed to smithereens? But ah, if he had only opened up an investigation. It's fucking wild. It is honestly really wild. On a day to day, where I'm like, how, how are these stories? Seven hours, folks, over seven hours of tapes are missing, unaccounted for. There is nothing that is there. How? It is the White House. There are calls coming in all day, all the time. So the only way that you have that fucking day-long gap is if somebody was being really mindful about making sure not to leave any evidence behind. And if you don't want to leave any evidence behind, sounds to me like you're in the midst of committing somebody's fucking crime. Because who else would be picking up other phones and using different phones other than the one that is stationed on your desk in the fucking Oval Office? Oh, let me, let me use your phone, Mark. Mark Meadows. Hey, let, let, let me use that phone right quick. Hey, Ivanka, let me, let me, let me use your phone right quick. Bitch, where's your phone? It makes no sense. But the only sense that it does make is that everybody's in on it. And this is why I say, you know, I'm not going to be cheering Merrick Garland right now for his Department of Justice announcing that they are widening their probe. I'm not going to be applauding that because I want to know if it's actual PR, right? We just need to have the perception that work is being done so that Democrats don't come through with a full-on media onslaught, which we know that they wouldn't fucking do anyway. I need to know that whether or not, right, this overt you know, window, this overt expression of the Department of Justice saying, oh, we've hired all these people and we're doing all of these things. If it isn't about the appearance 
of justice and accountability or if it is actually happening. So I will hold my breath. I will wait because I know good PR spin when I fucking see it. So I want perp walks. I want indictments raining down. I want an investigation by this Department of Justice into Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney, to figure out why he decided not to continue on with his investigation into Donald Trump. Right? I want an investigation into Clarence Thomas, opened up by the Department of Justice to figure out whether or not we have a compromised sitting Supreme Court justice that is about to rule against Roe v. Wade. Not to mention a whole other series of important laws that are about to be overturned because we have a six to three court. I would like to know if one of those nine justices is bought. We folks are in a whole lot of motherfucking trouble. There really is no way around it. And I know you're tired. You're tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of seeing this shit and being like, saying in my head, running the same record over again. Imagine if this were Barack. Imagine if this were Hillary. Can you imagine what Republicans would be doing? Do you know that Democrats, much in the same way that they have done in the past to their own, the first time that Republicans throw any type of fucking grenade, Democrats get in line behind them and say, we don't like that person either. They should resign. So you think that if the shoe were on the other foot and what Clarence Thomas did say, oh, I don't know, Sonia Sotomayor had done, right? or Breyer had done, or anybody that was appointed, anybody that's left that was appointed by a Democrat had done, you think that this shit would be okay, that Republicans would just be allowing this to roll off their backs and then say some shit like Chuck Schumer said, like, oh, well, maybe there should be some type of ethics rules for people with lifetime appointments? I think that somebody that has a lifetime appointment to the bench is worthy of some type of fucking scrutiny when it seems very obvious that something don't smell right. But alas, alas, dear friends, you would have to have some type of chutzpah, right? Some type of gravitas in order to get that done and see that through. And we know good goddamn well that if we are looking for those two things from this Democratic Party, y'all, you better look elsewhere. Here's the other thing that um, I, I also want to talk about. So this week, um, this week, Joe Biden signed into law the anti-lynching bill, right? And, you know, this, as I've said earlier this week, um, is an important piece of legislation. It should have been signed, oh, I don't know, maybe 60 years ago when Emmett Till was killed, you know? Um, and when it was found out that the white woman who said that she, that he whistled at her, right? Um, was a fucking liar that maybe, you know, the murder and torture of a 14 year old boy would have urged the public to really look at racism, at their anti-blackness, at the domestic terrorism that was happening at the hands of white people. But no, we want to pat ourselves on the back for shit that is happening now, 60 years later, six decades later, right? And here's the other thing that I will say about this. Do you know, did you know, and I was trying to find it, but I can't. Um, did you know that it wasn't a unanimous vote? An anti-lynching bill in 20 motherfucking 22 
was not passed unanimously. That there were not one, not two, but three fucking Republicans that voted against it. Three, three Republicans came out and actually, actually went on record to vote against it. And here, here, here's who they are, thankfully, for bearing with me. I found it. Representative Andrew Clyde, Republican, Georgia. Thomas Massey, Republican, Kentucky. And Chip Roy, Republican, Texas. Now, let me just make mention of Chip Roy. And I learned about this uh, through uh, Joy Reid, uh, Joy Reid's Instagram. Uh, because I thought that it was unanimous, right? I thought that this was why there was so much celebration because for the first time in 60 fucking years and 200 attempts at passing an anti-lynching bill in this country that white people love to say isn't innately racist um, and that we don't actually need to teach anything about differences because, you know, all is good in a country that couldn't bear to pass an anti-lynching bill even, right? And we're still, we're holding our breath after we watch George Floyd be lynched in 2020. Chip Roy was, and I'm going to mess up uh, his exact quote. But he said that lynching was a form of justice. And that's how they do things down in Texas. He said that in the last few years. So what I have said is that these people are not Republicans. They are not, and not just these three that I called out, I'm talking about the entire party. They are white nationalists. This is a white nationalist party. They are a white nationalist cult. And when we continue, even myself, because I slip, to refer to these people as Republicans, we are legitimizing them. We are legitimizing their hateful ideology as if it is an acceptable alternative to life in America. When we have the CBSs and the CNNs and the Fox Newses decide to hire known liars and avid white supremacists, we are allowing them to tell us that white supremacy and white nationalism is a legitimate ideology that is worthy of conversation and being heard. And until we say no, no more, until we actually use our collective power and voices to whether it is to fucking boycott the CBSs of the world, whether it is to boycott you know, the Fox News is of the world to call the FCC on a regular basis and say, why is it not? Why are there no disclaimers for Tucker Carlson and his hateful, violent speech? The way that you see on every fucking show that you turn on, oh, this shows nudity and foul language and blah, blah, blah. Why is the same not done for our political discourse? Because it should be. It would have people think differently about how and where they are consuming the information that they need to make informed decisions about their lives. But that's just it. We don't want an informed citizenry. Those in power don't want you to be informed because then you will question. And if you begin to question them, the question that you're going to ask is why are they in power? Why are they the chosen ones to make decisions for the rest of us? And then they will have to be accountable to you. So the goal has never been education. The goal has always been disinformation and the gaslight.
that is it for me today on this woke AF on this good, good Friday folks. You know, I will say this. Um, it is very difficult for me on a regular basis to keep up with the woke moment of wellness. And I say that in all honesty and transparency, because I am just filled with anger and rage all of the time. And there is so much news to cover and so many things that are just exasperating that I forget. And so I am going to challenge myself to make it a point because I know that by virtue of me doing this, it will allow you all to pause and to think about your wellness in the midst of all of the crazy. So for this Friday woke moment of wellness, um, what I discovered while I was on, while I was on vacation, um, is how important yoga is to my body. And you guys know, because my mother owns a yoga studio, is an avid yogi, so is my sister. And um, I am not. I That is, has never been really my chosen form of um, exercise, because I like more aggressive exercise. No surprise to anyone who listens to me or knows me. But what I realized on vacation is how important it is to listen to our bodies. And sometimes what our minds want us to do is not actually what our body needs. And while I was on vacation and I limited the amount of noise that I was taking in on a regular basis, I realized that I would wake up on my first couple of days in Panama. I woke up and I was very, very stiff. Um, my body, my joints ached and it wasn't just, you know, the, the, the travel, um, to my destination, which was a part of it, but it was also the weight of all of the things that I was carrying. So I challenged myself to do yoga, um, the entire time that I was on vacation. And I would say I did it a majority of the time I was gone for eight days and I did it for at least six of them. But I also did something else for myself. I got a massage. I got two um, because they were cheap and I could afford to get two in a week. And I want to share with you what happened during my first massage. Um, I had the good fortune of being with uh, an incredible healer, uh, a wellness expert in, you know, skilled in Swedish and, and Thai massage. And during, you know, our session, I started to cry. I started to seriously just, I mean, tears rolling down my face. Because as I was laying there and having my body twisted and worked and knots, you know, uh, rolled out and, you know, joints stretched and just taking this time to be still, but also be cared for by other hands. I started to think about my ancestors, actual family members, and then the enslaved Africans whose perseverance through so much torture, so much pain, allows me to exist, and how they never got to rest, how they never were able to relax, and how their sacrifice should be honored through how each and every one of us choose to care for ourselves and the people around us. I thought about my grandparents. And how I can't think about, you know, aside from their joy of, you know, planning parties with family and, you know, and, and their trips back and forth from the United States to Jamaica, had they ever indulged in a massage, in a sauna, in a steam room, in some yoga that was just about stretching their body and nourishing it, right? We are always doing, and there are some of us who never ever had a choice as to whether or not they could just be even just for a moment because they were seen, right, as the machines, as the chattel. 
And so I realized as I was laying on that table that I, my body, our bodies hold so much. As my mother says, we have so many issues in our tissues. And that the needing that we need to do in order to get that energy out is so critical to our health and to our well-being. And so the tears that I wept during that massage were not sadness and grief. It was deep relief and gratitude. And the gratitude that I had to be able to experience this moment, but also experience it for those that never, never did. And how necessary rest is to the revolution that we are in. And so, folks, you know, listen to your body. Allow it to lead you right? Into places and spaces that you may not think that you quote unquote deserve, right? Because we always are on this. I have to earn this. I have to earn my rest. You do not. You do not. By virtue of being human and needing to sleep, that is it. Needing downtime, that is it. You don't have to prove your value in order to rest. That, friends, is your woke moment of wellness. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. I'll see you next week. Have a wonderful, restful weekend. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.